Okay, everybody, welcome back to Talk of the Now podcast. And uh, today I've got a, um, a really cool guest on, a uh, local Atlanta celebrity, if you will, here, um, Mr. State Shapiro, um, who hosts the Atlanta Eats um, show that's on locally. Um, Steak, how are you, sir? It's good to have you. Awesome. So good. I mean, you know, like uh, just getting to talk about all my favorite topics. Man. My- <laughs> myself most important <laughs> well i do appreciate your time and coming on with me here um my little uh you know this is one of those things i started a podcast because i wanted to have um interesting guests and interesting people and you know get get to know some especially oh, some of the local Atlanta people. So who canceled somebody must have canceled uh, <laughs> Again, more like i'm begging people now <laughs> uh, you, you said maybe this guy steak will do it we need oh, to well, you know what I tell you, I tried to get uh, one of your um, your former um, co-workers, Mr. Chur- uh, Matt Chernoff on. I haven't heard back from him yet, so we're hoping that maybe he'll come on at some point. Yeah, well, he's got his own podcast going pretty well, too, and he's busy with the Braves. But yeah. don't let anybody big dog you, dude, right? You got to stay yeah. humble. That's, that, that's very true i did have a guy named ken coleman on a few weeks ago i don't know if you heard of ken he does a uh, careers podcast through okay. the uh, through the dave ramsey um i'm sure you've heard of dave ramsey he's like one of their personalities um yeah. but it was really good um think if you could for our audience here um kind of give us a little bit of your background i'd love if you could kind of go through where you're from and how you grew up yeah. and that sort of thing and what brought you to atlanta so I've been in Atlanta 25 years. I'm uh, from Boston, Massachusetts. Been down here 25 years. Been on radio and television for 25 years. Moved down here to be a sports talk radio host. Um, and uh, went to school in New Orleans at Tulane University. Went and got my master's at Emerson in, uh, in journalism. Journalism, broadcast journalism. Um, <laughs> and then... Um, And then I moved to Atlanta because if you want to be a sports talk guy, Boston is like trying to say, I want to be on Broadway, my first acting job, right? It's not going to happen. Like that that whole town is dominated by sports talk. It's the biggest topic in the city is sports. Mm -hmm. Uh, My 20s, I needed a chance to be on the air because I was really bad and I needed to get better. And the best way to get better is reps, right? The Malcolm Gladwell, uh, 10,000 hours. I needed to get some hours. So uh, I moved to Atlanta in 1995, was fired within a year from doing mornings at 680 The Fan because the station got uh, LMA, that means leased by another company. That company was Cox Communications, owns the AJC and WSB, and they hated sports talk because sports talk was critical of their teams and their properties and all that. And the first thing they did when they got the format was fire everybody. So I realized radio wasn't the most stable way to build a family and a a new uh, impending marriage coming up and realizing I'd be moving every few years and the program director didn't like your uh, cut of your jib or, you know, if uh, the station was sold and you went from a sports station to a country station, you know, not, not, I know you think I sound like I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, but I didn't, uh, I actually am not. So that may not play in country radio. So bottom line was um, I started I started my own radio station. I raised a million dollars. Radio was hot back then. There was a signal available called uh, WQXI. It was Quixie and Dixie back in the 70s. And we leased the station from uh, the same folks that did Star 94. Owned did it. you really? Wow. Yeah. So I went from being unemployed, uh, on-air personality, at 27 or 20, uh, maybe 28 years old, to owner of a million dollar business called 790 The Zone, where I was the on-air talent, head of I remember marketing. remember that. 
program director, owner, and didn't know what the F I was doing. Can we swear on this? Well, I try to keep it PG for the audience, but okay, you know, sorry. if all one right. slips out, we'll get, it's all good. We're on a podcast, dude. What's, what do we care? Yeah. For anyway, so, <laughs> um, so uh, uh, I basically had job security as an on-air talent because I own the company. So um, we then built up a 17-year uh, run as one of the best sports stations in America. Mm -hmm. uh, Atlanta radio was booming in those days. Um, we eventually sold the company, which was big league broadcasting. We had stations in St. Louis. We had stations in Atlanta. We owned a restaurant in Atlanta also called Stats. And we just had an amazing run. We were home, home of the Thrashers, home of Georgia Tech, home of the Falcons, like all these different uh, yeah. uh, flagship deals. And uh, uh, just had some of the greatest promotions. Hired every top talent in Atlanta. Started at the zone, just about Buck Baloo, John Kincaid, Matt Chernoff, Chris Domino, Nick Cellini. Um, they were all at the zone. I didn't know that. Yeah, I wow. hired him. Domino started somewhere else. He was at 680 with me. Mm -hmm. We hired, um, uh, gosh, Chris Cotter, who now, um, you know, works for ESPN, L. Duncan at ESPN, Dennis Scott from TNT, David Pollock from uh, ESPN, um, Bruce Pearl, all these guys were, were talk hosts on our station, uh, Dave Archer, Wes Durham, Tony Barnhart, Two Live Stews, Mike Bell, uh, all these guys came through the zone. So we hired all of them. We did a great track record of, of being an independent, kick-ass Mm -hmm. super edgy fun sports talk station did that for 17 years sold the company started a new company bread and butter content studio bread and butter llc built out a local brand in atlanta called atlanta eats social digital tv um it's had you know amazing success and then been on the radio at 680 for seven years they fired me over covid um and uh me and john kincaid were the two high-priced talent that got whacked but luckily, you know, I've always owned something and, uh, and I've, I've, uh, we're building out this mini empire of content and hopefully getting back on the radio and podcast soon as well. So hopefully that's enough of a background to let you know what I'm oh, yeah. doing. That's excellent. Um, what, um, what was life like growing up in Massachusetts? Great town, Newton, Massachusetts. Um, seventies, yeah. so fun. Um, you know, come home from school, drop your books and go run up the street and play sports for five hours. Yeah. Somebody's mom would drive by the school and say, your mom's looking for you or whatever it is. And then you have to big decision of, you know, whose ball is it? Are they going home with a ball or do you trust that if they don't go home with the ball, then will they be there tomorrow? And, and do you trust uh, that, you know, you can rinse and repeat, uh, have a great, <laughs> group, great, great group of friends. I've been friends with for uh, my buddies, uh, I just saw a few weeks ago, been friends since first grade. That's oh, wow. seven years, still my buddies, um, yeah. huge sports fan. The reason I wanted to do sports talk radio is because Boston such an amazing sports market. The dream since I was a little kid was to uh, be on the radio and, um, you know, just had a great suburban 1970s lifestyle. Parents were together for 50 years rode my bike and, and, and walked to every one of my schools, uh, elementary, yeah. junior high and high school. Um, it was just a cool time, man. There were no, no cell phones, no social, no, you know, they were just starting to play like Atari and in television and stuff, but we were, we just were playing ball right. all the time. Like we just were obsessed with playing ball. Getting in and, little fights and, and 
oh, looking yeah. for a girlfriend, all that kind of stuff. Just very 19. Like if you watch that that 70s show, if you watch yeah, yeah, I remember Goldberg's resembles us a lot. Had an older brother, he's a lawyer in Boston. Um, and then uh ended up going away to school in New Orleans. But but that was a great town, Newton, Massachusetts. It was just a really uh public schools were fantastic, very multicultural, um, played basketball and lacrosse. You know, a lot of inner city kids were bussed into our school, which was great in terms of building relationships in our, um, you know, at school. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't have a lot of tales of angst. You know, we, we spent summers on Cape Cod uh, when we could get, you know, out, to our, uh, out there and, and was very, very fortunate, happy kid. So mm -hmm. I lived with my grandparents, third, three generations. They're, in, they're from Turkey. So we had six hmm. people in the house. My grandparents lived with us forever. My parents and me and my brother, six of us. So dinner every night together, six nights a week. Oh, wow. Obsessed with television. Know every show from the 70s and 80s, like a television savant freak. <laughs> um, was uh -huh. way into pop culture back then. So yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a nice, um, I was very, very blessed. Is Newton, Massachusetts a suburb of, of Boston? Yeah. I'm not even familiar. Okay. It's five minutes. Oh, okay. Kind of, gotcha. a, kind of a, you know, address. So Brookline is, is right next to Boston and Newton's right next to that. So Newton's Newton alumni, John Krasinski went to my high school. I was his basketball coach. Really? Um, huh. Yeah. When he was 14, I was his hoop coach. Uh, Joe Rogan went to high school, same high school. Um, oh, who is, else is it? Um, I didn't know Joe Rogan was from that part of the country. He's from okay. Newton. Louis C.K.'s from Newton. Um, a lot of uh, folks. A couple of uh, big actress was my high school uh, classmate. You ever watch uh, The Wonderful Miss Maisel? I think I've heard of it. Yeah, it's a huge show. Yeah. But you're a little young for that. How old are you? I'm 45, actually. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, getting up there. <laughs> Wonderful Miss Maisel. Um, yeah, I'm just looking up famous new. Is the Barstool guy from uh, Boston? Yeah, he's from Boston. Sure, Dave. Uh, Dave, Dave Portnoy. Portnoy. Yeah, yeah, we're very, very similar upbringing. I mean, he was in. I think he was in Sharon or Swampscott, mm -hmm. and I was in um, Newton. Same era. Bill Simmons. Same thing. We all have that same. 1980s reference mentality. Yeah. Huge Boston sports fans. Simmons, Portnoy, myself. Uh, Matt LeBlanc went to my high school also. Uh, Matt LeBlanc, yeah, I remember him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. from, uh, and of yeah, course, um, oh gosh, what's, his, friends. what's the Goodwill Honey? Uh, Matt Damien. Damon, excuse Damien me. Damien and Affleck yeah. from there. Uh, not the same town, but um, yeah, Boston uh, has a lot. The Wahlbergs, um, all same generation. I was Damon about Affleck, the Wahlbergs. Rogan. Uh, you ever met the Wahlberg boys? Uh, I have not. Yeah. I know almost they had, yeah. Piece, almost did a piece on them when they moved to the battery with Wahlbergers. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I've, I really want to go visit that area. I'm a huge history buff and I really want to get out there and see. Um, I had a buddy a few years ago that was from Gloucestershire. And um, yeah, Gloucester, Massachusetts. That is old school fishing town. That's where the movie Perfect Storm uh, emanates from. Oh, Phenomenal wow. movie, by the way. Clooney and Wahlberg. Um, uh -huh. Have you seen Perfect Storm? I've. You know what? It's med not yet. I wanted you to see. It. I always forget to about. Go it. see it. It's it's a tremendous piece of filmmaking. It's about this massive storm that those guys went through. 
And it's about a real classic fishing town in Boston, Boston, Massachusetts. And mm. Clooney is tremendous in it. The whole, the whole cast is awesome. I'm actually right now. Um, you know, there, there's just an incredible loyalty. If you noticed, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm um, I don't know, I'm certainly showing my New England bias, but, but um, I'm going to say the word uh, assholes. Like guys yeah. from Boston that are stars, they, don't, they, don't, they aren't that. Conan O'Brien is also from Brookline, the town right next to mine. Really? And him, and, him and Krasinski were doing a podcast. John Krasinski, you know that, of course. Yeah, yeah. From, from uh, you know, now he's a huge director and quiet an office. An office. It's like you can't act a fool and act like you're a big deal and come back home to Boston because they do not put up with it. So if you notice that Damon and, you know, even Mark Wahlberg, the way he's evolved, the kind of guy he is, um, and a lot of these guys, they don't have that Hollywood, you know, just kind of just jerk mentality. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a lot of celebs and comedians that come out of that area, a ton of uh, comedians. And uh, there's just a certain Boston hard, you know, hardcore way. Um, and, and if you get too big for your britches, they cut you right down there. Yeah. And, you know, Matt Damon is one of the classic, like he's as big a movie star as there is. Mary, I think a, a bartender or a waitress that he met. Oh, yeah family you never see him he has zero interest in uh in you know paparazzi and being seen and just a perfect example is like if you really don't crave that you can have a very normal life and not not get caught up and be in, in the middle so krasinski's kind of the same way if you've listened to him much mm -hmm. very very likable dude um yeah, I don't know. I'm really proud of, the, of my hometown and the way that folks come out of there. It's kind of a blue collarish type of mentality, I think. It, it it definitely is. It's definitely Goodwill Hunting is the background of Affleck and Damon. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't come from a Newton's not a blue collar town. That's my high school wasn't, so I'll be the first to tell you that. Right. But it definitely was the a mentality. mindset. A, yeah, mentality. You know, mm -hmm. it's a little bit more highbrow than say a Pittsburgh, and not as cosmopolitan as New York. So it falls somewhere in between. And then there's just these hardcore New England towns. If you're a history buff, bro, how have you not done Boston? I mean, there I know, is, right? it emanates from every corner, from the Revolutionary War to the signing, you know, uh, yeah. of, uh, you know, uh, the Declaration of Independence on the side there, but just the building of our nation. Right. Take the Freedom Trail, the Freedom Trail in Boston, and then just, you know, realizing what was going on on the, um, on the banks of, of, of Boston. In the, oh, the, yeah battles that were fought against the british i mean that's where you know that's where it all happened yeah i did a um, recent i'm gonna um did a recent study a little bit study we'll do some more about the mayflower itself just that yeah. whole deal is just so it's, it's amazing to me to think about you got these guys in 17 late 1700s that just decide you know what we're just gonna go across this ocean and do our thing right. <laughs> you know it's like Nothing. I mean, they could. They knew of everything they could die. Half the freaking crew died. You, you want to talk about adventure? Yeah. You know, we're like, we we think, oh, I'm going to the Colorado River this summer. We're going to go uh, rafting down the Colorado. That's going to be our our adventure. You know, we're going to go whitewater rafting, or uh -huh. our adventure is we're going to do the Appalachian Trail. Which God bless, if you you know you can pull that off. Like this adventure was. We have no friggin' idea what's <laughs> on the other side of the of the world. Yeah. We don't know where we're going to land. We and, hear we might get killed by natives. We don't know. <laughs> right. And we may probably won't make it there, right? Or half uh -huh. of us. And when we get there, we don't know what the freaking hell is going to be going and what we're going to try to do. Yeah. But that's an adventure, right? Oh. 
that's an adventure as opposed to saying, I'm going to go five days without social media. That's not <laughs> an adventure. Hopping right. on the Mayflower and saying, let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. That's an adventure. Imagine like you're that they get, they get here and then all they, for the next month, they go up and down the coast. I read that. And they're just trying to figure out, Hey, where are we going to actually land? I mean, nowadays you would be like, are we landing tomorrow? I mean, when do we get out of this boat? You know, right. <laughs> how do you, I mean, it, it just the level of boldness, right. Of those generations and the generation that decides that yeah. we are going to break from England and we're going to go build our, our, our own, you know, world and colony. And, um, mm -hmm. and, and we're going to settle somewhere else and we're going to break free of, 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 uh, our, you know, the, ruling party and what that's going to look like, even though there's a good chance we're all going to be killed. Yeah. We're going to build a new nation. I mean, not to mention the heroes of world war one and world war two. And you know, what, what was at stake, right? Right. I mean, what does our generation have at stake that we've ever, every risk? What have we risked? Oh Losing our your TikTok account, <laughs> huh? Losing your TikTok account. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know, but I mean, our generation forties mm. and fifties, yeah, yeah. You know, what have we put on the line? We really put nothing on the line. We're we're experiencing the fruits of their labors. Hundred percent. I tell my kids on um, on Veterans Day um, or you know any of those. I said like, especially if you're Jewish, like I am. If you're a mm -hmm. like, Jewish family in America, it's like, yeah, it's pretty simple. The greatest fighting force in the history of the world, you, you know, the American military, basically went over and kicked, you know, kicked butt. Mm -hmm. and uh won the war or you know we'd all every jew in the world would have been gone like the reason we're alive today is what happened with our military in world war ii because make no mistake hitler was coming over here at some point oh yeah and the plan oh, yeah. would have been the same right oh that, yeah you know, world dominates yeah we're gonna we're gonna eliminate every jew in the world so you know we wouldn't have even been under their rule we would have been gone and it's the it's the american military and that and those World War II veterans mm -hmm. that basically won the war to save humanity and certainly save, if you're Jewish and you see what happened over there, six million aren't around, and they certainly were headed over here to do the same. Well, as a Christian, I can tell you that to me, it's amazing to think about, whenever I think about the founders, you know, they get a lot of criticism nowadays, but when you think about the, I mean, they probably had more forethought than they even realized to create this document that allowed freedom to exist so that... Even, you know, um, people from, you know, the Jewish society could come over to America and help, you know, contribute to the freedom of America so that they can live and thrive in the, any other ethnicity. Right. The, the forward thinking of the anticipation of where problems can arise. Yeah. And how you have to build a nation, you know, um, you know, equal for everybody there, mm -hmm. contributing, building this, this mosaic. Um, and you, yeah, there is, it, it is, it, we're in a bashing season, a lot of historical figures, right? But let's just talk about that document itself, you know, the mm -hmm. declaration of independence and what does that, what does independence mean? Mm -hmm. Um, there's so many religions and cultures, you know, that, that didn't exist other places. No, right? mm -mm. If you're Jewish, you know, you were kicked out of every place in the world. You were just wandering the desert, literally mm -hmm. trying to land somewhere um and 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 there's that persecution for every nationality and every race every right, religion right. and then there's this one place that we say we're going to be a melting pot of welcoming everybody as long as you contribute as long as you contribute to the nation everybody's welcome and it all started back there in new england rhode island right, they, yeah, get over there 
Yeah. Get over there. For the love of God, how have you not been to Massachusetts? <laughs> right. I mean, there's <laughs> no excuse. Next it's, time it's, we do this, when we do this podcast number two, if you haven't been to Boston, I can't do it. I mean, oh, man. No, no excuse. You, you get, I mean, you know what? Point well taken, my friend. I went to, um, I'm a golly, typical Southerner. You know, I haven't been out of the South very much in my life. Um, but, you know, you mentioned uh, New Englanders. And I think in a lot of ways, especially like the New Englanders, like, like Boston, Massachusetts, they're a lot different than a lot of Southerners. But in a lot of ways, they have a lot in common, you know, because um, you talked about comedians and so forth. I've known yeah. so many great military and um, comedians and so forth and, so, and actors that are from the South, just as yeah. well as from Boston. Fierce, you know? And fiercely loyal yeah. to their, to the, where they're from. Right. Yeah. yeah. Louis Grizzard comes to mind. What's that? I'm sorry. Louis Grizzard comes to mind. Yeah. Oh, Louis Grizzard, one of the great writers, but I mean, uh, how about Pat Conroy? Um, so mm -hmm. fiercely loyal to their hometowns. Yeah. And fiercely loyal to their cultures, right? Yeah. What is the culture of the South? And then just those weird accents, right? Yeah. <laughs> those weird relatives that makes for really, you know, nothing against the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. But the South and New Englanders, right? The way they talk. And it's a great get, contrast. Yeah. And sometimes you get confused with the Boston accent. Like, uh, what are you talking about here? Uh, so, so, um, and, and, and great dysfunctional families or characters makes for great comedy and oh, makes, yeah. for great, makes for great storytelling right mm -hmm. jeff I foxworthy mean, i mean good grief yeah. I mean, <laughs> Foxworthy's amazing we just did a i just did a show with him called riding hungry where we drive around town and i interview it's kind of a podcast on the road and then we end up in a, at a restaurant oh. and maybe you can get a copy of that and include it on the when you put out the podcast i'll put it up there but he is such a you know fascinating uh Mm -hmm. and and simply the nicest guy that i've and i've met hundreds of celebrities there is nobody kinder than jeff foxworthy yeah charles is pretty close also he's mm. one of the most genuine non-affected i've been out with foxworthy and i've been out with barkley and they get recognized and like the complete opposite of and give you other athletes or complete jerks but they couldn't be more welcoming engaging mm -hmm. You know, making, I saw Charles Barkley having dinner one night and some poor guy was off to the side kind of looking at him and, you know, ducking in and kind of, you know, you could tell like nervous to approach. And Charles is like, hey, what's up, buddy? What's your name? Come on over here. What's your, oh, your name's Dennis? All right. Hey, Dennis. Shakes wow. his hand. You know, like, how you doing? Thank you for coming over. Like the dude went from, you know, he was so nervous to approach and it was such a kind, welcoming gesture and he doesn't have an entourage he doesn't travel with anybody he is just completely approachable and by the way has very little issues right it's these celebs that think they need to surround themselves who aren't half as famous mm -hmm. that are so caught up in their own um celebrity or pseudo celebrity mm -hmm. and then you're on a guy like foxworthy who's who, who you know i was at a pizza place with him and then I, and charles and they're like we're all i mean literally we're just all the same. We're just human beings out here having to have a meal. And yeah, I just happen to have, I happen to have a cooler, not a cooler job, a, a, a more high profile job, right? Mm -hmm. My job is more high profile. It doesn't make me any more, you know, interesting or, or, or better than you. That's really the way guys like that think. Right, man. I may have to get you to, um, 
Foxworthy, he's a, he's a tough guy. He's another tough guy to get for a podcast because I know he's so busy touring well, all the time. You know, come on, you got to stick with C-level celebrities like me. You'll be <laughs> fine. <laughs> I but I do. I, I've heard many good things about uh, Foxworthy. Um, he did a, um, not to get on subject of Foxworthy, but he did a um, talk for some organization at my church one time. And I just, you know, I kind of went over to where he was in the little auditorium just to see, hey, is he going to be, maybe I can get a chance to meet him or whatever. And like, there was literally lines of people just trying to meet the guy. I mean, so he definitely is still relevant to a lot of people. Oh my God, for sure. Um, But yeah, I I was just thinking about that contrast and thinking that so many cool people and actors or, or from either New England or, you know, um, the South a lot of times. South Carolina, Louisiana, Georgia. Yeah. Not, not, well, South Carolina, I think of Pat Conroy, but not as much. Florida doesn't count. Um, right. And, and Mississippi's got some great writers, obviously, uh, in Mississippi. So we put them in. And Alabama turns out a lot of great people. Think about Gomer Pyle. I mean, okay. he, he was and, from Alabama. <laughs> and, and Charles Barkley from Alabama. Right? Oh man, Charles is larger than life, isn't he? Yep. Wow. Um, so is Ernie Johnson Jr. Have you met him before? He seems like a nice guy. Who? Ernie Johnson Jr. Oh my God, he's just I mean, beyond. His he, dad was one of my favorite broadcasters. Ernie, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to meet him many times. He's, he's been on the show dozens mm-hmm. of times. You talk about a guy that doesn't take himself seriously yeah. in terms of like you know, I mean, he is. And, you know, he's got that great relationship with his son, who is, you know, very, very disabled. I did a lot of work with Camp Twin Lakes. I started on the board. His son was at Camp Twin Lakes. Hmm. That's the camp out in Rutledge, Georgia, that every week takes care of different kids with serious disabilities and handicaps. His, oh, son's, cool. in a wheel, his son's in a wheelchair. And he was, a, and it's the one time a year you can leave your son and, and have, they have an amazing week. And uh, Ernie and I are both big supporters of Camp Twin Lakes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, so you've been in Atlanta since the 90s, right? Or 80s? Mid-90s. Mid-90s. 1995. 1995. So Man. it's 26 years now. Came here at uh, about 29 years old. So, you know, raised my family here. I got a 16-year-old. Mm. Met my wife here. Um, started two companies here. Been on radio and TV here for, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, Atlanta's been an amazing town. I've watched the evolution from Buckhead when I first moved here and did my radio show every Thursday in Buckhead at the East Village Grill. Every Friday, I did my show from American Pie on Roswell Road. Um, you I remember know, that I was, place. Yeah, I was single in this town. I've been married in this town. I've watched, you know, the nightmarish uh, recent um, crime wave that's overtaken our city, which has been very, you know, upsetting, but I also watched the economic boom, this city, I've watched the racial mm. strike of the city, and then I watch, you know, great unity. It's a, it's a fascinating dichotomy of, 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 of so many different things happening at once in Atlanta, you know, so, um, you know, and no, no shortage of content to talk about. We're the epicenter of the political world, no doubt. Well, you know, just thinking about, um, Boston versus Atlanta. Golly, I don't even know where you would start to like compare and contrast. Like it's got to be such a different world in Boston. Well, so I grew up in the most liberal home that you could grow up in, right? Around the corner from the Kennedys, like Brookline, mm-hmm. we love Newton. So my parents worshiped the Kennedys, Teddy and Jack, and and, and knew their, you know, that, that, that whole mystique, not, not the dad. And we were, you know, Mike Dukakis and voted the only uh, state that voted for um, 
uh, for uh, McGovern was Massachusetts, right? Hmm. And, and then I married a woman from Louisiana, Lafayette, Louisiana, who is as red as it gets, this, <laughs> the uh, red the state, you know, like the area right. that right. Lafayette. Um, gun, you know, uh, freewheeling, gun-toting, you know, Southerners to the core from Lafayette, Louisiana, and Cajun. Uh, uh, her maiden name was uh, Gauthier or the Zimmer, but her mom's name was Gauthier. So, huh. you know, they're living hard right. My family was living hard left. Um, we got married 18 years ago in New Orleans. There wasn't one even thought that folks weren't going to get along and love each other and have an amazing time. And like the notion of political... Yeah, yeah. I'm re- like, no, who cares? Like, there are Republicans, we're Democrats. They're probably, you know, pro, uh, you know, uh, one, one's gun control. One is like, you know, uh, hardcore, uh, what is it, Second Amendment, uh, First right. Amendment, right? Right, Second Amendment, um, gun control. Second Amendment. So, um, so like, you know, my, my in-laws think that I'm this, you know, uh, you know, hardcore socialist, pinko probably, right? And my mom is like, you you moved down there and now you're a right wing zealot. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I live in the middle. Like I live right yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. I hear all the nonsense from the left, how liberal and, and elitist and out of touch. And then I hear, you know, the whole rhetoric and uh, of, of, you know, right. uh, Fox News just bleeding into your brain nonstop that every issue has to be spun a certain way. And I think most of us, if we're not exposed to that massive social media unrest or the or, or the um, MSNBCs and Fox News of the world, I think live here. You know, that's where I try to live, right? I mean, I, I like Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia. I'm thrilled what he did for us. Also, you know, um, I, I like Kasim Reed, even though he's had some issues, but I like what he's going to do in terms of he... he, he I had dinner with Kasim Reed, who told me like one of his best friends was Nathan Deal, the governor of Georgia. Hmm. Like Nathan Deal was a governor and he was a Republican. Kasim Reed was a hardcore Democrat, friends with Obama. They're like, if it's good for the city of Atlanta, it's good for the state of Georgia. They brought more business here. They fought crime. They brought businesses. They didn't let this political divide. And Atlanta thrived, right? Mm-hmm. And now, and I watched him lecture a bunch of uh Democrats and constituents, like you think it's a good thing to fight with the governor? You think that's good for the state? You think that Buckhead wanting to secede is a good thing, or like you want to fight that? You know, mm-hmm. like common sense. And um, so I tell you that story because you know I grew up in you know I've been exposed to both worlds. You know, their their people aren't any different. They right. want to be. They want good things for their family. They want to have a good job. They want to be healthy. And they want America to thrive, and they may have different thoughts on certain issues. And and you know, I, I do believe the former president did help stir things up quite a bit. Um, but the mm-hmm. liberals have certainly stirred it up just as badly, and and uh, and the Trumpers have done the same. But that most of us, yeah, I was just in Tucker. I filmed a, a bunch of stuff in Tucker the other day. What a great downtown Tucker! You oh know, yeah, this beautiful gay couple owns the coffee shop. And then right next door is like a hardcore old Southern Matthews cafeteria. Oh where, yeah. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of Republicans and rolling through there and conservative ideals. And then right. down the street, there's a hot new, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, vegan spot. And like, and I'm thinking like, nobody here gives a shit about like, you know, yeah. politics. They just love being together in a downtown and, you know, uh, African-American and gay and conservative and older. And like, you know, you get so immersed 
in the rhetoric from social media and TV that you think everybody is, we're all basically one step away from a, you know, a civil war. Yeah. Isn't that the thing though? Like that parents more often than not need to teach their kids is how to be a free thinker and think for yourself and, uh, you know, look at an issue or look at a law or whatever, and, and, and come up to your own conclusions based on your own research and, um, you know, knowledge guided by experience. Yeah. And and listen, I understand the, the, the pushback against the liberal agenda in, in schools that now, you know, kids are coming home saying we're racists and, and we are, um, you know, uh, and, and they're talking about white privilege. They don't really understand what it means. And, and then the parents are getting all fired up and, and you know, of course, there's a liberal bias with educators and have been for years. And to, for liberals to not acknowledge that is wrong. And then the same time is parents, you know, trying to convince their kids on these, you know, on these right wing ideals on the other end of it, instead of, you know, now kids are afraid. I'm, you know, now there's such a liberal bias in schools. And you you know, a guy who grew up in Massachusetts, but you got to be able to have, you know, conservative views and be in a college campus or a high school and not be persecuted for it, right? Right. And 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 it feels like you're not allowing people to just, you know, have real um, tangible opinions. That's their opinion. It's mm-hmm. like doing sports talk radio. Like I love. We're gonna debate. You know, we're gonna debate Kobe versus LeBron, or we're gonna debate Bird versus Mag. Like, guess what? I'm going to talk louder than you. I'm going to have a ton of statistics, right? Yeah. I'm going to uh, explain to you that, you know, um, that, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, how many titles Magic had, you know, he had his five and Bird had his three and Michael's uh, had his six. And here's why that, you know, LeBron doesn't matter. And, and nobody is right. It's an opinion. You know, you're not <laughs> like, it's like, how can you say that steak? Well, I can say that because I'm paid to have an opinion and I'm talking really loud and I'm supposed to be dramatic and it's a performance, but I don't for a second think there's a right answer, right? You know, is Kobe better than, uh, I, you know, I can be convinced. I love a great argument. I love watching debates. You know, I'll be the first to tell you, you can sway me real easily with a convincing and, and, and articulate and, and passion, you know, explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to learn more about the voting, uh, you know, the, the voting right stuff that was going on and um, in Georgia. And I have liberal friends telling me absolutely was trying to, you know, prevent the uh, African-Americans from voting. And there was all kinds of voter fraud. And I was like, um, uh, yeah, I was like, OK, it's not a right. And then I'm talking to conservatives who explained to me there's absolutely nothing wrong with the, the laws. Go deeper into it and read more about it. And my point is, I don't know where I landed. But I, I landed where there were some really good cases on both sides. Um, and I, you know, I happen to be someone that is totally open to listening to both sides and trying to figure out which way to go. I don't walk into an issue saying, well, if that's the Republican or conservative mindset, or that's the Stacey Abrams mindset, I'm going to back either one of those, you know, uh, arbitrarily. Like, I don't know, explain it to me a little bit more. What is yeah. not being able to serve someone a water? Why is that uh, racist? Like, I don't understand it. So explain it to me, right? So... Uh, yeah. Or the other, the, 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 yeah, that's what the notion that you can't give them gifts while they're in line or give them water is actually a race of like, whatever. And I'm not going to here to get into the voting right uh, agenda. Yeah. But like, there's some arguments on both sides. I, I'd like to hear them, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I don't know. I, I think, a, I think a lot more people are like that than you think. Oh yeah. As opposed to like, you know, I support Clay Travis and everything he says and Sean Hannity 
or I support the Lincoln Project and everything they say, which is, you know, bashing Republicans. Like, I think most of us live closer to the middle, at least, you know, my next iteration of doing radio or talk or podcasts, I'll try to, you know, not be afraid to, you know, listen, I was in a sports talk radio scenario where you weren't allowed to give any kind of political opinion. I get it. Mm. I think you want everybody to like you or at least not think of you as a Republican or a Democrat. Um, I don't think I'll go back to the format if I can't be a little more open. I think that one of the things that frustrates me is that a lot of people think that um, you have to fall somewhere, you know, um, like on every issue, like, or whatever, you know, like you, like, for instance, we'll, we'll use gun control or, or, you know, gun rights. You have to fall on one side or the other. Maybe right. you don't, you know, right. it's like people throw nuance out the window nowadays, right. you know, yeah, it's like, like, of course we all, <laughs> we all believe in your right to bear arms. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah. nobody's coming to get your guns. Maybe what the Democrats are saying is you can nuance some of these laws a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean nobody was coming to take your guns. Joe Biden didn't come get your guns. That didn't happen. That wasn't, I don't hear that on the campaign trail, right? Um, mm. But maybe there are ways to modify some of these uh, uh, rules. And obviously yeah. the, NRA is, the power of the NRA is such that it's going to be difficult to get anything done. And, and, you know, why can't you acknowledge that and still be a moderate or a Republican that doesn't agree with all of it, right? And not, so. and not cancel your adversary. <laughs> for that matter <laughs> right you know exactly. uh, yeah i mean listen this is a completely new era right you can't have where families no question it's not rhetoric tens of thousands of families have been torn apart by their political ideology in the last four years mm-hmm. and that was driven by the white house rhetoric i believe whether i happen to agree with donald trump on a lot of his policies but the vitriol that he created that literally families, it's not like a hyperbole. They have been divided that they don't speak anymore because the wrong thing was said at the wrong time or liberals can't get over that mm. their parents voted for Trump and liberals cannot come to terms with it. And they're losing their freaking mind. And that, you know, now this, I mean, that didn't exist. First of all, you weren't even supposed to talk about politics in those scenarios with family. Right. That, right? right. Religion, but, politics. Yeah. Or the old rules. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's, it's loony. Listen, yeah. I think I would have been fine in that marriage if it happened today with the, you know, conservatives from Louisiana, with the liberals from Massachusetts. But, mm-hmm. it, 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 you know, I don't know if the, if the liberals came down, they're all masked up and, and the conservatives are like, screw the vaccine and screw the masks. I, I don't know that there may not have been some kind of uncomfortableness with all of us together. You know, I don't know that we would have done a destination wedding. But, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think we still would have been fine because it, it, we're all like-minded and we, yeah. but, but it, that, that, that's real. The division of family, forget about the country, just, just not being able to get along with people. My brother doesn't want to get vaxxed. I can't even speak to him anymore. I can't go away with him to, you know, um, on a trip or we can't go to his home. And, and then the mass stuff, I mean, it yeah. really is painfully it just you know my mom watching cnn and there's another variant coming and i said to her like how much do you want to watch yeah you spent like they're like you know you, you listen you can turn on every day and find something to freak out about right i mean I, they'll, they'll provide some fear and i'm not just bashing cnn yeah yeah like you know I, I got a lot of stuff to worry about in my life i got my three kids got my job you know, I got, you know, I have 16 people working for me here at Atlanta Eats. Um, I got my health. Like, 
I don't let that be, you know, those are how I check the box of how I'm doing in life. Yeah. You know, don't let the um, news, don't let the nightly news dictate or, or that life. my candidate or that my candidate got elected or did not. Yeah. Or the social media. And so for a lot about. of people, if your candidate lost, you went into a depression of epic proportion, right. particularly liberals when Trump got elected. And, you know, I would be like, if he gets elected, okay. If he doesn't, okay, guess what? I got to drive my kid to school tomorrow. I got to get a sales campaign sold to, you know, one of my biggest clients here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, I got to make sure I get a workout in because, you know, I gained 10 pounds or whatever. Like those are the top of my list and, yeah. and life did not change. And by the way, I'd argue the economy did not change. Economy is booming under Biden. The economy was booming under Trump, you know, the president's not affecting a lot of that. The fear that Trump is going to do this and the fear that Biden, I don't think a lot of those things came before. I guess you could argue the liberal agenda of, of Biden is, is, has been powerful and Trump's uh, conservative agenda had a lot of impact, but I don't know. I don't, I got other things to worry about in my life than that. Every yeah. Well, uh, I know you're busy and before you go, I do want to touch on um, Atlanta eats and the Braves maybe before you go. Yeah, um, let's do it. I, uh, I got my Braves shirt on by the way. <laughs> um <laughs> I, um, Atlanta eats, um, how's that going? How's things going with that? Amazing. Uh, four or 500,000 people that follow us every week. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we have the best TV show, local TV show in America. We've won five Emmy awards, local restaurant show in America. Food network does a great job. They don't cover one city. We're a local production house. Um, people love the show because we celebrate Atlanta. We celebrate, you know, I started the company because I love going out to eat with my friends and family and, and mm -hmm. the greatest memories in the world are around a dinner table to me um, of connection, drinks and food. And, um, and that joy for that comes through in the brand, I think. So the brand is doing extremely well. Number one social media in the city for food, TV shows done great, um, all kinds of content we're creating. So, so we have 14 people working for us um, mm -hmm. and uh, that the eight of them are just doing content. And then, um, so, so we're thrilled. We're looking at other markets. We're creating national shows. Nice. We have a site called American eats. So Americans uh, dash eats.com. Mm -hmm. We've got 15 other cities. We're covering now Denver, San Diego, Philadelphia, Boston, Chicago. Um, so go to American eats to learn more about that. Go to Atlanta eats. So it's, it's doing uh, outstanding. It's a great pivot this next phase of my professional life running this company. I'm not saying, and I'm not saying this just to, you know, schmooze you or whatever, but I do think that Atlanta eats is one of the, it's probably the best local show you can find in Atlanta easily. Yeah, no, I think it's the best local show. I put us up against any city in America. It doesn't have a show that looks like ours, mm -hmm. you know? So, and I was on the food network. I did two shows for the food network as a judge and um, I'll put us up against them. So yeah. Brand's going amazing. And hopefully everybody follows us. Atlanta Eats TV and follows myself. Yeah. I got a lot of food stuff going on too. I was about to say, is there anything we can look forward to on Atlanta Eats that might be coming uh, down the pipeline? So just filming all new fresh content. Mm -hmm. The new site is American Eats. That's a great deal. Um, so uh, that's it. Yeah, just yeah, keep okay. following all kinds of social sites. Sorry, my, my, my daughter's blowing me up from school, so I got to call her soon. Oh, okay. Well, let's hit the Braves then. Um, the Braves. I mean, you know, you want to know what a city looks like because of sports? Look at right. Atlanta right now. The whole city's come together. It's the most. It's 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 brought us all. It's galvanized us. It's united us. It's a phenomenal story. The spontaneity of sports is why it's the most interesting thing in the world to cover. It's the ultimate reality. Mm -hmm. Nobody would have thought a guy named Eddie Rosero become a local hero. Nobody knew that Tyler Matzik, right. Tyler Matzik was an electrician how many years ago. 
Um, oh my gosh. It, it, I forgot it, about it, that. The, the combination of personality veterans like Freddie Freeman and Dansby and, and, yeah. then the, and the new blood, it's, it's spectacular. I think they're going to have a hard time, though, because, uh, I mean, I don't know when this is going to air, but losing Charlie Morton for a series is not a good thing. I think yeah, it's 50-50. We'll, it's, it's yeah, uh, I'm going to put it up tonight. So 50-50 yeah. that we win this series. I don't think we should have been a big underdog. We're the hottest team in baseball for two months. Yeah. But losing Charlie Morton, if there's a game six and seven, that could have an effect. For sure. Oh, man. That's what I was going to ask you is how bad that's going to hurt us losing Charlie last night. I mean, uh, it, it's going to hurt. You're going to have to have you're going to have to hit the crap out of the ball and win two out of three uh, or all three in uh, Truist Park. Right. Right. Um, if you lose two out of three, you got to win two in Houston. You don't have Charlie Moore. And I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You could get hot offensively. If Rosario has another series like that and Austin Riley keeps hitting, you could win three in a row. And, and, and But I would doubt it. So I think it's going to go back to Houston. And I, I think that it'll go six or seven games. And I think not having Charlie Morton, if we lose the series in seven, and everyone will say the broken leg in game one killed us because we had to pitch Kyle, uh, we had to pitch guys mm-hmm. we want to pitch, you know? Um, and in yeah. scenarios, you didn't want to pitch them, you know? So now you have an extra bullpen game, or now you're going to start Drew Smiley, or now, you know, I don't follow as close to when I was doing sports talk every day, right. but I, you know, I know the rotation. Um, but it's it's even money, man. It's 50-50 right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what Vegas's number is, Three out of five series, three of the games are in Atlanta where the home field. I'd say if you bet right now and anybody can go online, I'd say it's probably even money both ways on the series. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I, that's kind of how I figured it as well. I was, I'm was, i kind of calling I'm, – I'm, I'm a hopeful six games, Braves take it. That's that's where I'm hoping because I'm biased. But, you know. I think if it goes back to Houston, they win game six, so it's 3-3. Three, three. Mm. And then I give Atlanta, just like the Hawks won game seven on the road, it'll be the year of – winning on the road and the, uh, the the Braves win game seven, maybe a two home run game from Freddie Freeman or, or Ozzy Alb, you know, uh, Albies has like a three for five night and we beat Houston like seven, three in game seven. Isn't, um, I talked to this with another friend a while back, a lot of times, and I don't know if this will happen this series, but it's amazing how somebody comes above the fray that usually doesn't. And I'm thinking Mark Lemke has the best case in point. Yeah, oh, I'm hoping we get one Mark of those Lemke out. Mark hit 420 and was the MVP. Yeah. But Eddie Rosario hit 540, and nobody knew who that guy's name was a few months ago. So, well, let's hope, yeah, yeah. Those are the guys. I'm hoping Eddie turns Rosario, it <laughs> he just did it. Yeah. I mean, he won the Dodgers series. For yeah. Him. Yeah, exactly. I, I won the hmm. series. That at bat, that at bat that he had in game um, six. Oh, man. Was uh, uh, otherworldly. Yeah, three run homer. I mean, that was it. You're a one one game. That three run homer won it. No question. Yep. And what's so. his um the uh, relief pitcher Maddox? Is it Max? Max? It's not Maddox. Tyler Maddox. Yeah, that pitching performance. My God. Second and third, four two, two fly balls, and it's a four four game, and you strike out the side. It's yeah. Freaking ridiculous. Luke he Jack. earned every dollar. <laughs> yeah, and you're not paying him a lot, so he'll earn his dollars for next year because that's where he's earning money. Yeah. Well, Steak, I'm going to let you go, man. I, I totally right, appreciate you coming on, brother. How do, we do? How do we do compared to other guests? Oh, man, great. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Um, I love I love good conversation and just uh, talking about whatever's on our mind, man. Um, yep. And if you want to come back on, I'll have you on sometime. When you go to Boston, not until then. Oh, dang it. <laughs> yeah. How, how's Boston in the wintertime like Christmas? Should I go during Christmas? Friggin' cold. Yeah. 
maybe I have to wait till the spring. <laughs> no, go in the spring and get go to Fenway Park and go to the uh, Freedom Freedom Trail in Fenway. All right, yeah. rock and yeah. roll, brother. All right, thanks, sir. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks, everybody. All right, bye bye.